You know what the most dangerous thing in America is, right? Nigga with a library card. <laughs> Okay, this is the most dangerous thing in America podcast, and right off the top we have to say the name is a bit of a misnomer. Uh, I do not live in America, and I don't have a library card, but I am black and I do read a lot. So the sentiment rings true. Alright, so uh, I'm starting this podcast as the first episode because I wanted to have a place to talk about the books that I like to read. And I found that I couldn't find a podcast where black people were talking about books written by black people. So I started one. And that's what this podcast is going to do. Mostly talk about books written by black people. Uh, But probably down the road we'll talk about just books that I'm reading in general. But so for this first episode I wanted to kick it off with uh, the first book I read of 2021. A book that I had been meaning to read for some time I bought it, it was sitting on my shelf for a good chunk of 2020, and the book is Sing Unburied Sing by Jesmyn Ward. It was a New York Times bestseller, it was a National Book Award winner, and it's got a quote on the front cover from Oprah Magazine, and it was a Kirkus Prize finalist, and I know President Obama named it as one of his 2017 notable books and songs, and whatever else he says is notable every couple of years or every year. Um, So, it was a very important book uh, when it came out, and I had been meaning to read it, so I finally did that a couple of weeks ago. And so what follows now is a a few things that I thought were interesting about it. This is not a scholarly critique of the novel. This is not a professional critique of the novel. I'm not a professional critic. I'm just a person who likes to read, and... These are some things I thought were interesting about the book, and if you've read it, hopefully you think they're interesting too, or you notice them, and if you haven't read it, hopefully after you listen to this, you will be inclined to go pick up the novel and maybe think about some of what was said here. Alright, so let's get into it. The first thing that struck me about this novel was the setting. Now, the book is set in Mississippi. I'm always rather intrigued by the Deep South because my father's from Louisiana, but what actually got to me more than the physical setting was the uh, the time in which the novel was set in, because I couldn't tell what it was. When I started the novel, there was this timelessness to it, and I thought that really added to one of the central allegories that's in the book. So, when you're first starting the novel, and Pop, who's one of the main characters, we'll talk about him later, uh, is talking about his time at Parchman Farm, which is the Mississippi State Penitentiary. Um, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be in the 1920s, in the 1950s, or in the present day. And the reason that extends the allegory is because there's a direct line from slavery to the Jim Crow South to the modern incarceration epidemic. So it was, I thought, very skillful on Jesmyn Ward's part to open the novel with this kind of feeling of, well, this could be any time, because then what you realize is that although America's made progress with its racial relations, it still has a long way to go, and we are still feeling the aftershocks, the consequences of slavery in the Jim Crow South, even to this day. So that's the first thing that struck me about the novel. The second thing I found notable, very notable, 
was the prose style of the novel. And so I've written here in my notes that the novel is written like the South. It sounds like the South. And what I mean here is that, you know, any novelist, any good novelist, I guess, could write some dialogue with a Southern twang to it, a Southern accent to it. But what Jasmine Ward has done here is she has three different narrators in this book. What she's done here is each narrator is writing from their own perspective. Each one of them's from the South. And they their inner monologue is written in such a way so that it sounds like the South, but it's not overdone. You're never reading the novel thinking, well, this sounds like a caricature of... Um, a William Faulkner novel, or this sounds like a, a, like, you know, to go even further down the line, this sounds like Foghorn Leghorn or something. You're never, you never feel like it's laid on too thick. It's perfectly balanced so that the novel sounds like the South. It sounds like black people in the South. And when the white people are talking in the novel, it sounds like white people in the South. And when the inner monologue is happening, all the narrators in the novel are either black or uh, one of them is black and biracial. When they're talking, it sounds authentic. It sounds like the South, but it doesn't overdo it. And I thought that was just very well done. And I'm in particular, I, I have a, a fondness for the Southern accent. I think it's the most lyrical of American accents. I don't think it's very close either. I, I don't really think the California accent, which is my own, is very lyrical at all. So uh, that was something that struck me right away when I was reading the book. Um, okay. The third thing I want to talk about is the characters in the novel. Now, there are a lot of characters. I just mentioned there are three narrators. I'm not going to run through all of them. I'm going to talk about the three characters that I found uh, most interesting, and I found them interesting for different reasons. Okay. So the first character I found interesting was Jojo. He's The book opens from his perspective. He's the first narrator we meet. Um, he is the character who I can most easily identify with because I'm black and I'm biracial. Uh, but that is about where the comparison ends. In the novel, he's 13, he's becoming a man, um, and his life is much different than my life was growing up. But that being said, um, a young biracial kid is always going to be somebody I can identify with. So I, I liked Jojo for that reasons. For that reason, uh, it's pretty subjective and, and not too not too deep there. That's a pretty simple reason why I liked him. The second character who I was intrigued by is River, but he's called Pop by Jojo. I'm just going to call him Pop, even though his name is River. I, I prefer Pop. Um, he's he's not really like any male figure who is in my life, uh, but he's like them at the same time. So m my father's not anything like Pop, but he does represent this kind of archetypical stoic male that I admire. I think a lot of males admire but that I don't really want to be like. And I think as the novel progresses, uh, Jojo doesn't really want to be like him either. And the reason that you don't really want to be like Pop, who is a good man, is that he's repressed a lot of himself. And as the novel progresses, you see that that repression takes a toll, that holding things in takes a toll on, on the person you are and uh, on the progression that you can make. And then that toll can be exacted on your family in untold ways. So that's a major theme of the novel. Um, and so Pop is like this admirable character that you you could see yourself wanting to emulate, but not really, because look what, look what it leads to. Uh, the final character who I found intriguing and the most challenging character in the novel 
is Leone. She's the second narrator we meet. She is Pop's daughter, Jojo's mother. And I wrote here that I have zero sympathy for her. And I feel bad about it. And I do. I Both of those things are true. And I think that may have been Jesmyn Ward's intention. I think that with Leone, there's reason to feel sympathy for her. She lost her brother uh, in a tragic accident that I won't get into. And she's extremely in love with Michael, who whose family hates her because she's black and who's in prison. So he's uh, abandoned his family or he's been taken away from his family, but he was drug trafficking. Um, so there's plenty of reason to feel sympathy for her. At the same time, she neglects her children and she abuses drugs. And so it's hard to like her. And I found myself wrestling with this fact. I want to, I want to feel sympathy for her because she's had a hard life. But then at some point in the, while I was reading the novel, I was thinking, well, it wasn't so bad. It's not as bad as Pop had it. It's maybe not as bad as her kid has it. And that's a really negative way to think about it because she's experienced trauma and everybody deals with trauma differently. And I think that's kind of what Jasmine Ward was trying to get us to see here. She's taking this person who, if we're reading about her on the internet, because people don't read newspapers anymore, physical ones, if we're reading about her on the internet, we might just think, well, this person isn't deserving of our sympathy. She's addicted to meth. She's neglecting her children. She's a bad mother. And instead, Jasmine Ward has humanized this character. It still doesn't mean that you read the novel and just walk away going, well, she's a great person. And that's why she's so challenging. We get to see the part of her that's vulnerable, the part of her that's struggling with her brother's death, her mother, who's ill throughout the novel, and her impending death, um, and with her relationship with Michael. We get to see her struggle with all of these things, but still, at least for me, it's hard to see the way she treats her kids and come away with it thinking that she's a good person. So, Leone's the most challenging character of the book, and for that reason, probably the best character in the book. And she goes on a journey in the novel, and I won't spoil where that journey ends. She goes on a journey in the novel, but I don't know that her arc gets to where you necessarily want it to get to. And I don't mean that in the way of like Jasmine Ward didn't uh, wrap up the novel the right way. I just mean you're expecting a certain thing or maybe hoping for a certain thing. And it doesn't necessarily end that way. Um, I know the book was written four years ago and maybe you've read it, but I don't want to spoil it. So yeah, uh, the only very interesting character. All right, very quickly, I just wanted to run through a few themes that I thought were interesting. Themes and little things that I thought were interesting. Uh, the first one is repression, as I mentioned earlier with Pop. To me, the biggest the thing, the biggest takeaway for me from this book was you can't repress things. You can't keep things inside of you. You either bring them out and deal with them, or they will be brought out and dealt with, or they will chase you down and eventually deal with you. And that's really what happens in this book. Um, so, okay, so there's that. Uh, the second one was that, uh, the book deals with non-Abrahamic religions. And I thought that was interesting because it's a Southern novel. There are black people in it. Uh, and there's really not any mention of Christianity that I could really think of. The big thing that's mentioned in the novel is, uh, well, I looked this up. It said it was called Gree Gree Bag. 
but I prefer calling it a Griscris bag, even if it's pronounced Greek Greek. But these these bags, which originated in West Africa, which are kind of charms that are worn to ward off bad luck, um, that's like the big religious aspect of the book. And there's talk of second sight, and uh, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, well, I guess we can just talk about that now. There's also all this uh, afterlife discussions and. You know, there's elements of magical realism in the book. I liked that none of it dealt with Christianity, that none of it dealt with Middle Eastern or what became European religions, and that it's all just kind of about the African-American um, folk religion uh, traditions. And religion. And I don't mean folk in a disparaging way at all. I just mean non-Abrahamic religions, uh, which came from Africa and were brought over by our ancestors. So I really like that that's in this novel, um, one of my favorite aspects of the book. And that brings me right into the part of this where I wrote down that, it, and I just said, slight elements of magical realism. That's another really nice thing that's going on here. What I like about this book is you wouldn't call it fantasy, and I don't even think you would call it a, a book that is uh, magical realism. It just has elements of magical realism. And they're just sprinkled in there, and they feel so organic and that's really nice that you can have this this extra element this extra thing that's going on this supernatural element and it never takes you outside of the realness of the novel you never feel like it's uh, separate from the very serious and realistic themes that jesmond ward's discussing and so it's just very skillfully done all right, so the last thing I wanted to talk about was the conversation about race in the novel. Talked about it a little bit earlier with the through line from slavery to Jim Crow to mass incarceration. Um, that is certainly in there. The fact that Michael's family hates Leone is also an, a, a consequence of that through line. Um and then uh, other aspects as well of uh, just being in a racist society uh, that has been perpetuating racism for 400 years is in this novel. Uh, other subtle, interesting things that are going on uh, about race in this novel would be Michael, who's the white father of Jojo and Michaela, or just Kayla in the in the book. Um He's in Parchman, and so it's kind of an interesting foil to River, who was in Parchman before. River was in Parchman just for being black and being around some trouble. And Michael is in Parchman for actually doing uh, drug trafficking. And then the characters Misty and Al, who are white. Misty is uh, Leone's friend, and Al is Michael's lawyer. They're both kind of carefree in their attitude towards doing drugs, um, dealing with law enforcement. And so without without shouting about it, without standing up and screaming about it, Jasmine Ward just makes it very clear that there are two sets of rules for the people in this novel. And so Michael's kind of an interesting middle ground for that set of rules. He's rejected by his family for dating a black woman. And he goes to prison. Now, that has nothing to do with uh, hanging out with black people. That's because he was drug trafficking. But he's he's become an outcast from the accepted white culture 
that he was brought up in. And so he's kind of this middle ground character and, and he's of a different class than Al, um, who is a educated white man and a lawyer. Um, so the topic or the uh, theme of race is discussed through these several characters and from a couple of different perspectives. And it's just interesting because those aspects with Misty and Al and Michael, they're not overemphasized, but they're in there. And so I just thought that was very masterfully done. All right. So um, that's going to do it for the discussion of seeing Unburied Sing. There is like a ton of other things I could have said about this book. I've left out one of the other narrators who's in it. Uh, I've left out a ton. There's just too much to get to. And it's only a 300-page book. So I want to say as a final note, that what's probably most impressive about a novel like this, which is a piece of literary fiction, uh, people feel a certain way about that term, I like it. So uh, this is a novel of literary fiction. It is extremely readable. And I don't just mean that it's well-written. I mean that when you pick it up, you want to finish it. It is a novel with a motor. I don't like the term page-turner. It implies that it's somehow lesser than. I mean that it's got an engine behind it. And when you pick it up, you want to get to the end of it um and that's sometimes not very common in works that are deemed uh, literary fiction but this is a beautifully written book and a well-written book and a book that you pick up and want to finish and it's packed full of things as i said i left tons of stuff out that you could uh discuss for another 20 minutes but i don't want to keep you for too long so if you haven't read Sing Unburied Sing, I highly recommend it. Um, it's a great novel. In two weeks, going to come back and do another podcast. Uh, this time I'm going to be reading, well, I've already started reading Bell Hooks's uh, We Real Cool, which is her nonfiction book about black men in America. So we'll be discussing that. Uh, in the meantime, keep reading. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk books very soon.